This week, our trip to historic Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia, plus a question about RV quality and when might be the best time this year to buy an RV. This is RV Miles. This podcast is sponsored by L.L. Bean, who invite you to simply step outside this summer. With expert tips and advice, L.L. Bean can help you get more out of every moment outdoors. Here's a tip. Set yourself up for easy backyard adventures by leaving a tote bag with the essentials right by the door, sunscreen, bug spray, and a few hats or pairs of sunglasses. Now you'll never need to search your house to find them. For more fun ideas, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com slash guide. Welcome to episode number 238 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who have been crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip since 2016. Here at RV Miles, we talk all things RV and outdoors from industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot more. Uh, We had an epic travel day. Again, Again. we are in the Cincinnati area, and uh, I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But Yeah, I got put into my black tank <laughs> this week. We are on a fast track from uh, heading from the East Coast, basically, back to the Midwest for a few weeks with family before we hit the road again for the summer. Well, anyone who's been listening to this show for five years knows that it is the season for the Uppersons to make that quick trip back to the family before we again kick west for the fall we are going to move out of the rv for about three weeks or so Mm um have some plans for it while we're out of it we Um, talked about this um last week we're planning on upgrading our solar a little bit ordered it today we did just make the order (laughs) for the two new panels uh today so we're gonna add about 400 watts yeah and then we're gonna do a few other cosmetic things inside we're kind of thinking about how we can reimagine a few spaces to make them a little bit more efficient for all of us that includes the boys room the kitchen and uh maybe even getting rid of some furniture in the living room who knows we'll see when who I, knows what we can do in three weeks we think we can do anything none of it uh when yeah. i was growing up uh you know we had the kitchen table with the chairs around it yeah uh and often it would just be the place where stuff gets left well, and we never sat at it to eat. That has been the case for our entire time here in the Sabre. You cannot see it <laughs> if you're listening or watching this video, but just off to us, our table really uh, just holds everything except our butts when we want to sit in that <laughs> The seat. kids sit there from time to time. Two, only two of the kids can yeah, sit there yeah. because two of the other chairs have permanently become storage. So we'll talk about that stuff after we do it, if we do it. Today, we're going to be talking about Colonial Williamsburg, which was a really, really fun trip. One of the best things I think we've done in quite a while. We did just come from Disney, so I'm still riding the high of the two weeks there. So you're going to have to give me some space. Now, that said, yes, we had such a great time. And me, personally, with all the old-timey stuff uh, and being living history as well, boy, I just, that that was some good days. But before we get to that, uh, we had a question about uh, buying a new RV. Mm-hmm. Uh, this couple emailed us that has been in a an RV for a, a bit and decided that it is the wrong size and wants to 
buy a new one. And their question is about um, when the best time to buy would be. They've heard perhaps that there have been some quality issues recently from the massive amount of RVs that have been manufactured, which is interesting or because... <laughs> just the comment section of every week's news video. Well, now, okay, so I, w last week's news video uh, talked about the current state of sales and manufacturing in mm -hmm. the RV industry, and we talked about this on the podcast last week as well. But in the comments, there were a lot of people that work at dealerships and RV technicians coming in and saying, yeah, quality's been particularly rough uh, as of late in the, in the past year. Um, so this couple wants to know, you know, whether they should consider buying now or they want to wait till the fall in order to uh, mm -hmm. perhaps get something that's a little bit better quality, you know, and I, I is a difference of three to four to five months really going to make that much of a difference. Well, as, as I mentioned last week, I do think the slowdown has already begun. Mm -hmm. um, manufacturing has slowed down significantly and, and that will help. It will. And uh, there were some actual in that comment thread on the YouTube video, there were some uh, uh, actual workers from RV manufacturers mm -hmm. chime in saying, yeah, actually when things slow down, we do a lot better job. Well, yeah. <laughs> when you don't have someone asking you to turn out an almost yeah. uh, unimaginable number in one week. Yeah. yeah, it gets a little bit easier to do your job. That said, uh, lots of people have been really happy with their RVs that they've bought in the last two years. The thing is always these units are individually hand built mm -hmm. and it always depends. So it is it is more important than ever to get an inspection. It's such a small sample size, right? Yeah. Our, our I mean, two I only RVs have... compared to 500,000. Exactly. Right? So if... If you know two hundred and fifty thousand of them were bad quality one year and a hundred thousand were bad quality another year or ten thousand whatever it is, still a large number of people are going to have a, a great quality unit and a large mm -hmm. number of people are not and it's really hard to tell. So well, I also think too that you tend to not hear from the ones that are having the best exactly. experience, right? They're usually not the ones yes. that are going to the forums and going to the YouTube comment section and leaving the praises of the, you know, the RV that they're in because A, they don't want to get skewered, but also because you just don't have anything to talk about. So mm -hmm. there's that balance, uh, this imbalance, I think sometimes when you read the comment section, it's always going to be a bunch of grievances, legitimate or not, but grievances. And very few people are going to chime in and say, oh, no, I absolutely love mine. Mine's been perfect. Well, and the, this, this, the same question had a question about dealers and, and what dealers might be worth visiting. And they, they mentioned a couple large chains. And you know, I think the same is true with some of the large chain dealerships. I think yeah. some of them are worth avoiding in general. But if a chain has, you know, 100 locations we're going to hear more complaints about them than the chain that has five locations. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that the percentage of negative experiences at that chain with five locations is better. It could be right. much, much worse just because you've seen in a Facebook thread that, oh, you need to avoid X dealership chain. So there are some bad dealership chains out there, um, particularly a couple of real big ones. 
but that doesn't mean that the small chain is better. Sorry, should I pour myself a glass of tea? Are you about to start <laughs> no, spilling I'm just some saying, stuff? Because you're alluding. I mean, I think we all know uh, what you're talking just, about. Just, but. you know, even individual stores within a chain. Mm-hmm. Look at the Google reviews. I mean, that's a big mm-hmm. thing. Look to see not who had problems, but how those problems were Played solved. Played themselves out. Were yeah. people happy with... Did they go back and edit their review on Google to say, I am so happy with how they solved my problem? That's a good dealer. Yeah, I I think, too, a lot of people, and again, it's a big investment. It's your money. You need to use it as you see fit. But those who continue to say, well, I'm not buying for another three to four years. Okay, that's fantastic. So I ask you, because this seems to be the trend. So you will now spend the next three to four years not going out and camping and enjoying the life that you want to go and enjoy. And I ask you, is it worth it? Like, is it worth it that you have a one in 100 or one in 500 or one in 5,000th chance of getting the lemon out of all the possible RVs that you could go and purchase? And if it is, if it's too much of a chance, okay, absolutely. Wait, hold on to your money. That's totally fine. If it's not worth it, if you're going to resent that you continue to wait, go find one, go find a dealer, do the research so that you can go enjoy this thing that you want to do. Time is too precious. You don't know what you're going to get tomorrow. Go do it. If you want to go back and listen to the episode we did with our friend Josh Winters um, about finding a good RV dealer. He had some really good, good tips as well. Uh, You know, I I don't want to diminish the fact that people are having issues with things that they have spent up to $500,000 or more on. And that is, it is a real challenge and it is really unfortunate. If you're going to get into RV ownership and you haven't yet, there's a big difference when when someone says my RV is a lemon and, and it's, you know, their uh, microwave rent went out and they had to get a replacement. That's going to happen. That stuff is going to happen. We had an experience yesterday, which I would not blame any manufacturer on whatsoever. Um, It's just something that we had to deal with on the road. And we're going to talk about that later, but stuff is going to happen. And if you're not the type of person that can handle a few things or can afford to have an RV technician come out and, and fix stuff when they go wrong. Yeah. Maybe RV ownership's not for you because these things are, they're a house on wheels. And imagine putting your own house on wheels and all the bad things that would happen to it if you did that. Well, can I, I don't know why I thought of this. I've watched enough of these episodes, I guess, in my life that I'm drawing this parallel. But how many times have you watched a House Hunters mm-hmm. episode where the friend or the parent has come with the potential owner and they're asking them, this is going to break and this is going to break and you're going to have to fix this and you're going to have to repair this and you're going to be responsible for this. Are you ready for that kind of ownership? It's no different when you buy an RV, things are going to break and you own that thing. So you're going to have to take care of it. It is ultimately at the end of the day, your responsibility. And we're sitting here saying this. And I think if you've listened to this show over the last five years, you know that we have dealt with a ton of different issues. Like, you know, nothing that has, you know, 
we haven't, I think, for the most part, been able to care for. I mean, in the bus, we had we had more issues in the bus mm-hmm. than we did in either our travel trailer or our fifth wheel so far combined. You know why we built a school bus conversion? Because <laughs> everybody said to us that RVs coming out of Elkhart are terrible and you need to build something stronger, safer, better. There are some great bus conversions out there, but but it wasn't our build. It was just a you're living with a twenty year old engine, engine and tires and all this other stuff. Yeah. So there's you know a question like that, like should I wait? And you're just talking in small chunks of time, two to three months. That to me, go enjoy those two to three months. I don't think so much. What whatever we're all waiting for to happen. I don't think is going to ever happen in the way you want it to. We absolutely believe that the RV industry should be held accountable for what they do and the RVs that they put out. But you are never going to get anything 100% perfect, just like a house will never be 100% perfect. Your car is never going to be 100% perfect. The bike, the scooter, anything you purchase, will never. there will never be 100% of that thing. And an RV is no exception. Yeah, I want to add to the same thing I said last week. There have been a lot of RVs shipped to dealership lots over the last many months, right? Though there is a larger percentage of lower quality, and I don't mean like the quality is bad. I mean designed to be lower quality units Mm -hmm. getting to, to those dealers because they're faster to build. So like I said last week, some manufacturers haven't really change production all that much they may have some issues with things like the fridges are going bad or the microwaves or whatever um that are sort of beyond their control yeah i was gonna say the fridge is not the rv industry's fault that's the manufacturer of the fridge it's the world we're living in right now with supply chain issues across the board but um if you were seeking out a quality unit say you were seeking out like a newmar motorhome that is not going to be any different built today, built last year, built the year before. They really haven't put that many more out. Yeah. And, you know, we're not here to say that everything is amazing and it's all, you know, roses and sunshine, but it's also not doom and gloom. And you can still go out and enjoy this life and have a good time RVing. It's, and you should. It's never as bad or as good as we think it is there are you know it's it's always a lot more nuanced and even keeled and that uh that is the way of the rv industry i really do believe right now it's the way of life uh okay let's take a break uh we're gonna retool here and we're gonna come back and talk about colonial williamsburg which was such a wonderful place we'll be right back have you heard of park wolf It's a game-changing iPhone app for exploring U.S. national parks. Park Wolf's Wildlife Finder makes finding any wildlife species super easy. Park Wolf gives you heat maps and charts of the best places and times in the park to find any species. Park Wolf's Free Drive GPS Explorer makes exploring the park a breeze by showing upcoming places in the park as you drive, along with distances to the nearest gas station, restrooms, food, and pullover points. You can download Park Wolf for iPhone from the App Store today and start making the most of your national park visit. Chances are you've seen them on the road. 
That's because Blue Ox has been designing and manufacturing some of the best towing products in the industry. Blue Ox is everywhere, highways, campgrounds, anywhere you find people traveling in the great outdoors. Blue Ox produces award-winning tow bars and base plates, plus a full line of weight distributing hitches and a new lineup of adjustable ball mounts. With Blue Ox, towing doesn't have to be a drag. To learn more about how Blue Ox can make your travel adventures even more stress-free, visit blueox.com. All right, we're back to talk about the Williamsburg area, which isn't just Williamsburg. It's also mm-hmm. Jamestown and, and uh, Yorktown, uh, which we did a little bit of. But we spent the bulk of our time in Williamsburg, in Colonial Williamsburg, yeah, which is uh, not the town of Williamsburg. It is Colonial Williamsburg is a living history museum that is inside the town of Williamsburg. But let's yeah. start off with where we stayed in Newport News. Yeah, so we stayed in Newport News, Virginia, which is also just kind of wrapped into this area. And we stayed at the Newport News Campground, which uh, it's is... It's Newport News Park Campground. Yeah, so it's a, it's a city park. I want to preface about this campground. I, this campground has so much going for it, a lot of promise, and is in desperate need of some TLC. And that need for the TLC is really holding this campground back from being just a truly spectacular gem. Like, it's a little hard for me. I'm on the fence as to whether or not I would recommend this campground. Yeah. I mean, if you have to use bathhouses. No. No. I do not recommend it. It, Because it is water and electric only. Water and electric only. The site's. Are, so when we first arrived, uh, we actually had to call up and request to be moved because the site that they had put us in, the site that was supposed to be big rig friendly, uh, and they had all of our specs, had five giant trees lining the camp pad. And so there was no way, no matter how we had positioned ourselves, that we were going to be able to get our kitchen slide out. Not only that, two of the trees were at the very front of the campsite, basically at the road on either side of the driveway, meaning I was never going to be able to make a turn to back into that site. Never in a million years was that going to happen. It was like a 45 foot site, but really all you would want to put into it would be a a class B camper van or a pop-up or something like that. It was not a good situation. And so Thankfully, because we did stay over Memorial Day weekend, thankfully, they were able to move us one site over to an overflow site. That said, even that site was... Well, the, the pavement was crumbling away. Oh. It, it was, the, and there were there were other sites here that were so steep. Ours was, ours was at least wow. fairly flat. There were some that were so steep that people could not get level, so they were leveled but at an angle i never Um, would have stayed in that site no no there Uh, were some that were real really problematic for a big rv so i would be really careful about your particular site here that said it is a good spot to access this area so close to everything within a 15 minute drive to yorktown within only like a five to ten minute drive to colonial williamsburg so it's it's really center to everything and they were full for memorial day weekend but they were not full up during the week so and there are one two three there's four loops 
at this campground. And we walked all of them. And each and every loop has its own set of problems when it comes to the campsites. And really, it's just about just they need all of their sites need to be repaved and then they really need to reevaluate what they allow and they've got to try and level out some of these sites. It's incredibly dangerous. Well, we watched some travel trailers in some of these sites that were incredibly pitched yeah, try to level themselves uh, out. They should have just been tent sites and you park your car there. And uh, I, don't know, I, I could not. I could not have done it. I would not have wanted to do it. It was not what I would consider a safe situation for an RV. Now, some of the cool things about this that we mentioned being so close to everything, but then also over in the sea loop, um, I didn't notice if this was happening anywhere else, but they did have a, like a civil war earthworks and it was essentially, it ran um, right in the center of the loop from one side to the other. And it was a trench. And it was historical. You had to stay off of it. You weren't allowed to like mine for any sort of um, uh, trinket artifacts. Thank you. All I could think of was gems. That's <laughs> clearly not the kind of mining <laughs> we're doing. Um, but you could clearly see where the trench had been dug and how they had piled up the earth. And that to me, that kind of history where you can see how the land was used and then you can look around you and kind of realize that you're standing inside history. You're, you're looking at these woods and you're kind of trying to imagine what would it have been like for these Civil War soldiers, for these revolutionary soldiers to come through the, Virginia you know, and, and the rain and the heat and the humidity. And it just, it was really fascinating to have that there. Yeah. And I thought that was super cool. Um, but then I'll throw back another complaint is you've got these four loops. You've easily got 200 campsites in this whole place. One dump station with one one RV at a time. Not, and, not even a two-sided dump no. station. The line... On uh, Memorial Day, when oh. everyone was leaving for the weekend, the line was probably four hours, 15, 20 RVs deep. And it was like half an hour. It was taking 45 minutes because I was doing laundry. And so I was going... And that was a cool... I should mention that. That's a really cool thing about this park too is that they actually had a really nice laundry room up at the main visitor center. And so I was driving back and forth and I would be driving past the dump station and I kind of was like using this pop-up as sort of like, what's the time here? It's taking this pop-up to get through. 45 minutes from the time the pop-up showed up into the line to before it got to the I say that's actually pretty good I'm surprised that well, it got up there that fast when I started counting it it was only eight deep mm. eight or nine deep so yeah. it had a bunch behind it still but like at that point it took 45 minutes for the eight people in front gotcha to get moved well through. it even when we left on on a weekday uh, we were four deep at the dump yeah. station, so it, it we was, were. It took it a minute. Tight. Took a minute. Let's uh, let's talk about the fun stuff, though. So yeah. we, uh, like I said, spent most of our the bulk of our time in Colonial Williamsburg. Mm -hmm. So the town of Williamsburg itself is a historic town. Was originally 
the capital of Virginia, Virginia being the oldest colony. Colonial Williamsburg is the name of a living history museum. Mm -hmm. Living history museum is where they they keep historic structures intact and they actually have people sort of uh, doing reenactments of characters and both uh, famous and invented who mm-hmm. would have lived during that time period in Williamsburg. And then craftspeople and all that sort of stuff, doing like a blacksmith and um, milliners and all, all sorts of stuff like yeah. that. It's incredibly fascinating. Uh, we opted to do, because we were going to visit over Memorial Day weekend, because we did spend the first three days in Williamsburg at our campground with unending rain. Just it never stopped. So we opted to do Colonial Williamsburg over Memorial Day weekend. And we also decided to purchase the three-day ticket. So they'll have a one-day ticket and a three-day ticket. We decided to purchase the three-day ticket, which ran about $220 for our entire family of five. So it was like $58 yeah. an adult. And I, I think the... I think, the, if I remember right, the the one day ticket was it was less than ten dollars less than yeah, that. Yeah, and so. we felt like because um, when you look at everything that is available there, and they have these programs, and they have demonstrations, and uh, they have even performances, and it's all scheduled out. And so when you look at all of that. It's totally possible to do in one day, but when you are also with small people and you're all trying to navigate that, you're with a group, uh, it made more sense for our family to really be able to enjoy the space and to give the kids a good education, to look at this as a, a road schooling opportunity and do three days. So that's what we did. So the 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 area itself, it, it is, it is um, public streets. So mm-hmm. if you're... If you can't afford that, um, and it is pricey, yeah. Uh, or if you're only, you know, stopping through the area for a short amount of time, you can walk through Colonial Williamsburg yeah, for absolutely. free. And there are some things you can also experience there for free. Now, any of the tours inside of the homes, uh, anything that is going to be a presentation or anything really kind of on their schedule, and they do a very good job about breaking that out between open to the public or ticket required. Um, just know that there are going to be some things that you're not going to have access to, but just being able to walk through and then heading over to their shopping plaza could also be a really lovely way to spend an afternoon. For free. Yeah. Absolutely for free. Um, the, the ticket though does come with, so it comes with that access to all the buildings that are open. Um, and it comes with access to two art museums that are mm-hmm. right there. And it comes with access to the free shuttle bus as well. So you can park at the main visitor center. That is one issue. There's not a ton of parking in this area. You can park at the main visitor center and you can either walk over to the colonial area, which we did the first uh-huh. day. Um, but then uh, we took the shuttle thereafter because it is a decent walk, but it was worth doing once. Yeah. And so, you know, once we were kind of, we would schedule out our days where we would do a little bit and then we would uh, head over towards the end of the day to their shopping plaza, which is sort of, again, an outdoor shopping similar to like what you see at Disney Springs or themed. It's themed to look colonial, but you're going to find restaurants and you're going to find stores that you recognize. You're going to have some wine tasting. And we would do that. We would head over there. And I just, I want to recommend, you know, they had a mellow mushroom and we had 
pizza there one night, which was delicious. We like mellow mushroom. But if you only have one day, I cannot recommend enough going to the precarious beer hall, which is actually right next door to mellow mushroom. And in there, they've got some games, like some arcade games. They've got lots of long picnic table like structures and bar top tables set up. But then they have a brewery and it's got multiple options, uh, local beers, as well as wine, margaritas, sangria. There's also a taco stand where you can get tacos, quesadillas, chips, and salsa. And then they're going to be expanding to have a uh, burger stand. So burgers and fries, that's getting built right now too. And it's just, it's a great food hall, beer hall. It's like gourmet taco stand, you know, it's like the the high-end foodie truck it's like type a food truck yeah. like yeah street mm-hmm. tacos like so it's great you know we actually went there twice uh once while we were waiting for our table at mellow mushroom we just had some drinks and played games with the kids while we were waiting yes and they told us it would be a 55 55 minute wait and it ended <laughs> and it up being 15 minutes and we're even. like well let's down these drinks yeah i down to that <laughs> wine pretty fast which <laughs> normally is not really something you do with wine um and then so the second time we went they actually had live music as well, which was a lot of fun. It's pet friendly on the outside. So if you're walking around Colonial Williamsburg with your buddy, it is pet friendly for you to sit outside at Precarious's um, outdoor dining area. But I, I just, I really, that was like a highlight of that for me, just sort of that communal yeah. space there. Well, let's talk a little bit about what you can do in Colonial Williamsburg and what we did. Okay. So there, uh, they put these flags outside of the buildings that are open on that particular day. And the, the buildings that are open on a, on a given day will be different. And you can go into many of them, including, you know, the, the palace of the colonial governor and the, uh, the original state house. And some of them have somebody that tours you through them. Mm-hmm. And some of them have uh, sort of docent type people that are on the different levels that can answer lots of questions. And they're very talkative and really know their stuff. Yes. Right. Uh, and uh, and then they're like, you know, fun historic games for our kids to play out on the lawn. Uh, so we toured the governor's mansion, uh, the with house and the Capitol building. I, I can't remember. I don't think it's called the Capitol building, but. Um, and they were all really, really great tours mm-hmm. and done by especially the Capitol building. The, the tour guide was fantastic. They, they just, they really know their stuff, right? They, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's really impressive how detailed they get into, yeah. uh, explaining what went down and what is the current situation in this, um, imaginary time that we're in. Like uh, we're, we're back here. Uh, living in this area just after the capital has been moved to Richmond. What are the hardships? What are the triumphs? What life was like? We listened to a really great talk with uh, Patrick Henry. He, the gentleman portraying Patrick Henry was exceptional. What I find so impressive, not only that they remember all of this because they're essentially memorizing a script and they do such a great job with the delivery of the script, but it's then their ability to go off the script and to take whatever they're being fed from the audience to when they open it up to questions and they have no idea the questions they're going to get. And they have to know this person kind of inside and out 
in order to factually answer the question. And they, Patrick Henry did, uh, I don't know, maybe a 20, 25 minute monologue, something like that. Yeah, something. And, it and was And then long. opened it up for questions. And the, it's not only the ability to answer the questions, but also then to, to improvise that answer, mm-hmm. speaking in that same style. Yeah. It blew yeah. my mind. Overall, I felt that every individual we encountered who was in character did such a very, very, very good job. And you can take carriage rides and they do have restaurants inside the historical section of Colonial Williamsburg. So it's really important if that's something you want to do, you need to make a reservation ahead of time. We didn't know that. And so we were not able to enjoy any of those restaurants, but they did look really neat. There's a bakery and a coffee shop and you just, there's just a lot of different things you can do to experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, we went two days even though we had the three-day pass, we could have gone a third day, but we went two days, mm-hmm. and two long days. Two long days. That was a that was a good amount of experience for us. I think there we still more that we didn't do, but mm-hmm. um, we didn't like I said we didn't do the two museums. Lots of walking. Lots of walking. Uh, you can take the shuttle more than we took the shuttle. Still lots of walking. But once the shuttle drops you off, kind of inside Colonial Williamsburg, where the historical structures are, it's it doesn't quite make a whole lot of sense to then use the right. shuttle to go just one block over, yeah. you know? So it's just, I can't recommend it enough. I can't recommend it at, you know, enough as um, an add on to your homeschool curriculum. If you're traveling into that area with young people, or also if you yourself are just a lifetime learner and really interested in the beginnings of our country and some of the parallels that we can still draw from today. I'll tell you folks, listening to Patrick Henry speak, not a whole lot of what's been going on is new. Yeah. It's from just not pandemics new. to to political else. upheaval to even life changes and big shifts in economy, all of that that is that is I think we are a country built on all of that. It just depends on, you know, what generation you fall into as, as to how you remember it and feel it. So the the visitor center to Colonial Williamsburg is on the Colonial Parkway, which runs between Yorktown uh, and Jamestown with, I think, Colonial Williamsburg in the middle, right? Yeah. So it's a 23-mile stretch of road, part of the National Park Service. And it starts at the York River in Yorktown, and it ends at the James River in Jamestown. And so along this route, there's going to be stopping points where they will have uh, historical markers that you can go and you can read. Of course, we stopped at a few. Um, But it's a really beautiful drive. And Colonial Williamsburg is kind of plopped down like right in the middle. So as you come out of Colonial Williamsburg, you have the option to either head towards Yorktown or head towards Jamestown. Mm -hmm. And so it's just sort of right middle section of this 23 mile stretch of road. It's a really beautiful drive. If you have a little bit more time than we did, there are some living history things Mm -hmm. uh, and more museums and all sorts of stuff to do in both Jamestown and and Yorktown. We spent uh, an afternoon in York, Yorktown. We didn't get to do Jamestown really at all, but we did spend an afternoon in, in Yorktown sort of uh, driving and walking around, and we went to a excellent coffee shop. Probably the greatest coffee shop, bakery, 
I've ever been in in the six years that we have been on the road and that is saying something and so we took one of those you know we talked about those really rainy days we had to get out of the house we were just crawling the walls so we decided to go find a coffee shop we wanted to be able to be off for the weekend let's go find a coffee shop or something where we can work we'll take the kids we'll do school so I stumbled upon in Yorktown this place called Mob Jack Coffee Roasters and Petite Cafe it is the most delightful, just wonderful coffee shop. It is built, and I'm just going to read here. I'm just going to read here off their website. They say they're located in the Cole Diggs house, and it was built in 1726. Mob Jack is a must-see location in the heart of historic Yorktown Village. Enjoy expertly roasted coffees, espressos, tea, wine, beer, sweets, and delicious sandwiches. And I will read all of that verbatim because all of it is true. The house that it is in, they have barely altered. So it's this 1723 sort of uh, two-story cottage style. And you come in and immediately in one room is where you can order your baked goods and get your coffee. Then in the room adjoining to that, they've got the actual roasting. They've got the kitchen. And they've, they've not altered the structure. And then you go upstairs, you go upstairs, the, the historic like 18th century staircase, and you go upstairs into these two rooms and they have tables set up all over and they've got some historic artifacts up there. There is the original glass on the windows. So when you look outside, it has sort of that beveled like look about it. And it was kind of rainy and foggy that day. And it was it was perfect. I was able to get some gluten-free. They had vegan. They had all kinds of pastries. Jason had, uh, I shared it on Instagram, Jason eating this oatmeal, homemade oatmeal cream pie. Oh, man, it was so good. Yeah. Um, they have an entire outdoor seating area, which we weren't able to enjoy because it was, like I said, raining. Yeah, the outdoor area is huge. The so outdoor- I imagine they get fairly busy on a busy day yeah. there. They, it was dead in Yorktown when we were in Yorktown because the rain which was kind of awesome because we were able to walk around historic Yorktown village and we had it like all to ourselves it was very I mean you just felt like you'd stepped back in time it was really great and I cannot recommend going there and spending a little time at Mob Jack enough and picking up a pound of coffee I got a pound of coffee we're currently enjoying it and it it lives up to just how good the coffee was there at the coffee shop All right, that was our time in the Williamsburg, Yorktown, Jamestown area. (laughs) We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and check the level of our tanks. Be right back. Okay, we are back, and we're going to check the level of our tanks. So, Jason, this week, what is in your black tank? You know, we've been to a lot of campgrounds over the course of our nearly six years on the road now. And it blows my mind the number that send you like a weekly e-blast after you have visited once. How often do you think people are coming back? I mean, I know some campgrounds have your regular customers that live in the area and that are constantly there. Yeah. But the number of e-blasts from campgrounds that I think probably a lot of full-timers and a lot of people that camp heavily throughout the year 
get is is starting to get really frustrating. Yeah, I think if I get one more e-blast reminding me that June 11th is National Go RVing Day or National RVing Day or National Get in Your RV Day, I don't know what we're calling it. National Made Up Day. National Made Up Day. Uh, I am going to scream. I'm just like I get it. I get what June 11th is. Uh, even it, even at least that applies to everybody on the list but what 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 blows it? my night mind was like this weekend we're gonna have you know so and so singer oh yeah and this, this, you know you want to be there i, I mean yeah i'm a couple thousand miles away well what i think is interesting too is uh, having our own email list and knowing how this all goes you can filter out um and do mailings for local versus yeah. not local. So if you want to push that you've got, you know, John Lennon coming this weekend to perform, then maybe you just send that to your local people. You know, within a, a if, if hundred John mile Lennon radius. is performing at your campground, I think the world is going to want to know about John, it. Though. Maybe it's maybe it's John Lemon <laughs> doing the works of John Lennon. Okay, but, and so but you send that out to maybe like a hundred mile radius yeah. people who can say at the very last minute. Oh, Jay, let's go camping. John Lemon is performing. <laughs> we got to go. You know, I get getting an email from KOA. I don't get getting an email from every KOA that I've been to. No, here's, Some of them the same email. I was about to say, KOA, I don't know if you're listening, but it might be a good idea to talk to your people and just be like, listen, if you all are going to send out e-blasts, don't send them out within minutes of each other and have them be exact replicas. So what I have is like, nine emails all from different koas all saying the same thing yeah I mean, i'm not gonna open any of those <laughs> it's it's quite absurd it's gotten a little wild all right what is in your fresh tank this week uh my fresh tank this week it's, you know as much as when you're traveling it's really cool to go to restaurants that are uh unique to you that you haven't experienced before they're local to that oh, area stop i know what you're about to do sometimes <laughs> it, you know you just gotta go to a Chili's because oh, it God. you know what you're gonna get you, you know you're not gonna to get complaints basic. from the kids nope you know they're all gonna you know there's gonna be something everybody you like that uh, that everybody likes there you know it's not gonna be too expensive all that but i have to say so we've been to a lot of restaurants over the course of the last two years and a lot of restaurants are having issues right now uh, with the lack of staffing particularly mm -hmm. you go to some of these chain restaurants and it's like they're begging people to apply yeah and or they're only seating five tables and mm -hmm. half the restaurant's empty and they're like it's a 45 minute wait and like why well because we have one server and like one cook our server at the Chili's in Princeton, West Virginia, let's give a shout out. I think his name was Dustin. He was the best server I have ever had. He was phenomenal. He was so kind. He was so nice. He was, and I just from a human standpoint, he was, a, he did his job so well, but just like from a human standpoint, the way he interacted with us was so refreshing and nice and he was at the table like every five minutes but not in a way that not was annoying set. for somehow he made it not annoying because sometimes that's annoying right but he was just like you know very brief one word check-in and he read me the minute i sat down 
because I ordered a glass of wine and he was like, oh, do you want like, because I was like, oh, I don't know which of these two Chardonnays I want to get. And I was going to be like, you just pick. And he goes, well, you know, because I was going to get the nine ounce, I was going to upgrade. And he's like, well, you know, actually, our house is two for one. (laughs) And I was like, buddy. He's like, so you basically get 12 ounces for the price of the six. And I was like, you go right ahead. And I don't even care what wine it is. You just pour it into that and bring it to me. And that's fine. And I even thanked Chili's for that on the RV Miles Instagram page. And they they liked it. They liked it. They were very... (laughs) They were very pleased to hear how happy we were. <laughs> All right. What's in your black tank this week? Uh, so I'm going to we're gonna talk about now what we alluded to at the top of the show, which is the very unique travel day that we had yesterday. And I would like to make this more of a gray, not so much a black, because it was an annoyance, but it had a good ending. And even if it hadn't had a good ending and it was something bigger, we were still in a position in a great space to be able to take care of ourselves and everyone was safe and everyone was fine. So Monday night, we did a Harvest Hosts location in Princeton, West Virginia. So we got up that next morning. We had a long drive day to get here to Cincinnati. And um, like we always do, Jason takes off and I usually, you know, watch to make clearance for him. You know, he goes off, he's driving off with the rig and then I'm going to come behind and we're going to check the lights. And as he goes by, I notice that the passenger side tires have kind of what sounds like a little bit of a grinding noise. It wasn't something I had heard before. I stand there and watch this rig leave the campsite dozens of times. And so I get in, and at first I didn't want to say anything because I was like, oh, you know, my noises versus Jason's noises are two very different things when it comes to this RV. But I felt compelled. And so uh, he did... Um, begrudgingly i think a little bit you were a little you were a little i was this when you you said there was a when you said there was a a, you were a wee bit when you no when you said that i was very concerned you thought oh i shouldn't have said something oh it's it's probably fine and we should probably just go on no and i was very concerned because i thought it could be a wheel bearing um, which could be a big deal if you you got you got to the point where your wheel bearing is making was, a grinding sound. You you've gone way too far. There was the potential um, for this to turn a little stressful between Jason and I, um, but it did not because thankfully, right before we got onto the highway, there's a Lowe's, and we decided let's let's pull in there. In fact, it was the Lowe's with the chilies in the parking lot we had just been to the night before. So we pull in, we are able to get the. Completely over-tightened tires. Actually, I'm just going to let you take over my gray sure, tank here. I, yeah, because yeah, I took, you know, eventually well, I was like, peace out. I mean, I think a lot of you probably saw the stories. Sorry, I'm cutting you off again. But um, at one point, I did say, peace out. I got to go and let him just do his thing. And I took the kids to Chili's again. <laughs> so uh, so we, we pull, uh, it was clear that it was coming from one wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, so we pull the... RV up onto uh, made a little ramp out of blocks and pulled the back wheel up on that to try to raise the front wheel off the ground. Didn't get it quite off the ground, but then with the jacks added a little bit of support to get it the rest of the way off the ground and uh, spun the wheel. And it was, it was pretty obvious to me right away that it, it wasn't a wheel bearing that it was coming from the brakes. So the brake was dragging in some sort of way. 
and I had Abby, you know, hit the brake lever of the trailer brake lever a few times so that mm -hmm. we could see. And it, it really seemed like it was the brakes to me and that it needed an adjustment. Trailer brakes from time to time need an adjustment, even if they're supposed to auto adjust, it's worth looking at them and making sure. Um, and uh, I went to adjust ours and what, what you do, there's a little uh, cap on the on the back of the wheel that you take off that's on the back bottom and you uh you stick a screwdriver there and you move a little gear and it's a little star nut i guess you would call it and that adjusts the brakes so the brakes are they uh they're sort of two big c-shaped things that mm -hmm. expand when the, when they're braking to the drum right so they press up against the drum if they're touching you know when rubbing the drum too much they're they can stick um, if they're too loose, then they don't break as well, right? Mm -hmm. So they need to be adjusted. I've going through looking at what you're supposed to do to adjust them and stuff. I I've seen some people say you should back them off one millimeter from touching the drum. I've seen some people say they should be touching the drum. Regardless, ours were making some noise, uh, and that star nut would not move. So uh, I was just trying to break it free, and I could not. So. I had to remove the entire wheel to try to get back in there. And annoyingly, the tire shop that put our new tires on mm -hmm. over-tightened all the lug nuts. Really one of, bad. One, they were very hard to get off. One was stripped. Yeah. Uh, and that was really annoying to me. Anyway, got it all <laughs> off and uh, and made an adjustment to the brakes, cleaned everything out of there. There's a lot of gunk in there. I need to do that all when I do the wheel bearings on all four wheels here very soon. Um, One of the other things we'll do over the three weeks yeah. that we're not in it. Yeah. Yeah. Two of which are going to be in an entirely different state. Uh, nowhere near it. So, you know. We'll uh, get it done. We always do. But it, I, I cleaned that all out. I adjusted the brake a little bit. Cleaned up. There was some debris that could have been making the noise a little bit and stuff. And and got it to you know what I thought was a, a a good adjustment and with the wheel back on uh put the bearing in back in and and everything pumped a little grease into there and 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 got it back together and we were back on our way but you know that stuff takes a decent amount of time so this was a yeah. big drive day um that it was about Three and a half hours from start to finish. So it put us back three and a half hours yeah, on a 290-mile we drive day. And we were tending to leave at 9, and then it ended up being well, we, yeah. 12.30 Well, we so. tended to leave at 9. We didn't actually leave the Harvest Host till 10. We didn't actually leave Lowe's till about 1.30, yeah. and it was after 8 o'clock before we arrived here at the campground outside of Cincinnati. But as we, that's why we like to plan for the stuff that can go wrong. Honestly, this is wasn't something that was that bad. I mean, the brakes can make some noise. That that from what I understand, that is is somewhat normal from time to time, as long as they're not sticking. And the wheel was still rotating, but it did need an adjustment, and I couldn't adjust it. Yeah. So um, I and did it there. I'm honestly, we found too that once you went in and did that, that the brakes actually performed. A little bit better. Yeah, we yeah. thought that they they were grabbing mm -hmm. faster. That and also the the sound did subside yeah. quite a bit, and so you know I think it was worth it that we stopped and we took a look at it. But you know, one of the things that it is a, it's an annoyance. It's a huge annoyance. It was annoying about the tires and all of these, but inside all of that, and we talk about this all the time. We 
we control what we can control and then we deal with and adjust that which we cannot control and and problem solve it and this was something we couldn't control we couldn't control we wanted to control being on the road and moving towards our next campground we couldn't control that the brakes needed our attention but we could problem solve it and while he's doing all of those things i'm in my mind over at chili's with the kids thinking, okay, if this is, is something more than kind of the couple things we've been, we think it might be, okay, what's the next plan? Great. There's a hotel over there. We're here in a somewhat major city. How fortunate are we that we're in a Lowe's parking lot? He can pop in and get some parts if he needs them. You know, I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, what's the next step? I text the campground. I let them know we're going to be there after closing, you know, all of these things that we can control inside of all this chaos, because if you just allow the chaos to kind of like unpack and live inside of you during all of this, you're going to, we would have been there all day, Yeah, you know, and he wouldn't have had the peace and calm that he needed to do this. And then also the kids would have felt all of that stress. And so, you know, it's not a black because it wasn't as bad as it could be. It's not a fresh because our day got altered. It's just a gray and we just did it. And, then we moved on. All right. What's in your fresh tank this week? So my fresh tank this week is I want to give um, a hearty shout out to a Harvest host that we just stayed at that I cannot recommend enough. And it's called Sarah Vineyards. And it's in Mount Airy, North Carolina. And we stayed there on a Sunday evening. And it was one of the most beautiful and peaceful experiences at Harvest Host's we have ever had. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, you come off, it's about seven, eight miles off of the highway. You come down in there and it is a hundred percent big rig friendly. The road seems sketchy to get in, but they do but an incredible It's actually job. really well taken yeah, care of. They, tr- they, they make a point. They're an exceptional harvest hosts. If you're a member of harvest hosts and you go on and you take a look at all of their reviews, they have like signs that say harvest hosts park parking. here and stuff. It's and you, so you well know, you're out. supposed to uh, patronize the business. That's part of the deal with harvest mm-hmm. hosts is that you buy a product from them or something, or if it's a museum, from the small you go business, to tour you... them. But we were going to arrive after they closed mm-hmm. and they had the ability to uh, sell us a bottle of wine and leave it on the porch for us. Yeah. And they talk about that in their listing on Harvest Hosts. They make concessions for that so that you can, you could even order a charcuterie board as well. And they will have that in their Yeti cooler as you arrive and you can go down and get it. And it's, it's beautiful. We ordered this bottle of Chardonnay. It was the best bottle of Chardonnay I have had in a long time. And we we watched, so we drank this this bottle while there, having this unobstructed, gorgeous view of the sunset over the the mountains. And yeah, it it's gorgeous. Wonderful. You're there in the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's, you know, they are sitting on this piece of land. You come down, you know, you park up in the higher point where the parking lot is, and then you walk down a hill to where the winery is, and they have all these outdoor tables and lounge chairs and there's a little vineyard that you can look at and nobody was there it was just us there was like a class b van and she was kind of like off doing her thing but like when we went down into by the winery to get our wine there's nobody there it was wonderful and we just we took some food and we sat down there we drank our bottle of wine we watched this incredible sunset 
And that to me, that experience that I had with my family, that was worth that Harvest Hosts membership and that bottle of wine in spades. It was fantastic. So I highly recommend them. We will link to them in the show notes for this video and also in the show notes for the audio so that if you're a member of Harvest Hosts, you can also go check them out. And then if you're not a member of Harvest Hosts and you would like to learn more, we'll also have a link available for you to learn more about the organization. All right, that's it for this week's episode of the RV Miles Podcast. That's it. And as we mentioned last week, we've got some big news coming up here in just a couple of weeks about an upcoming RV Miles meetup this fall out west. See, I've dropped a little bit more information this week. But if you want to be one of the very first people to know and one of the very first people to snag only a handful of sites that are going to be available for this event, you need to go to rvmiles.com slash mailing list because we're going to be sending it out to the mailing list first before we announce it anywhere else. So rvmiles.com slash mailing list. And we hope to see you this fall out West. Also it's camping season. And if you need to buy, you know, any of the things, sometimes you got to buy to replace something on the RV. The best place to do that is to go to amazon.com slash shop slash RV miles. Amazon gets us a little kickback and it helps support everything we do here at the RV miles network. So thank you very much for joining us again this week. Please stay well, enjoy these warm summer camping months and keep logging those RV miles. Bye everybody. Bye.